1: Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome into the LakersNation.com podcast. I am Trevor Lane. You can find me over on X at Trevor underscore Lane on Instagram threads and Facebook at Trevor Lane NBA. Figure we do a little special holiday weekend edition of the show. We've got Labor Day coming up on Monday, which means it is a three day weekend. So why not kick it off? with some Lakers talk. Now, I've got a number of things to talk about today, including Trey Young. Are the Lakers still keeping tabs on him? What could that situation look like into the future? Speaking of the future, we are going to fire up that Delorean, get it up to 88 miles per hour, and get let that flux capacitor send us into the future and take a peek at what's coming for the Lakers. I'm pretty excited about that. But first, the center position. What's going on there with the Lakers? Of course, that's always going to be top of mind while the Lakers still have a 14th and really 15th roster spot sitting open. We know they have to fill the 14th roster spot at least before the season starts up. And we also know they need another center right now, just Anthony Davis and Jackson Hayes at the position. Before I really sink my teeth into all this, though, quick reminder, do subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. And those of you watching over on YouTube, if you wouldn't mind hit that like button as well. Get this video out to as many people as we possibly can. And then over on the podcast side, great way to help out the show on Apple podcast. Give us a five-star rating and review. takes you like 20 seconds tops to do it. And I love going through there and reading the reviews. And then of course, over on Spotify, any other platform really give us a rating and review. Great way again to help out the show. All right, let's talk about the center position. Uh, Jamail McGee, our old friend, off the market. Haven't talked about it here on the podcast yet, but did opt to sign with the Sacramento Kings. This is what we had heard was likely to happen right after the Mavs decided to waive JaVale. We knew that that was probably what was coming. And again, I think the Mavs, they threw up a lot of red flags there, right? I mean, they signed Markeith Morris, or they're going to sign Markeith Morris with the roster spot that they are creating by getting rid of JaVale McGee. But in order to move JaVale McGee, they're going to have to waive his salary, stretch it out over the next five years, that means they're going to have over $2 million in dead money sitting on their books for five years. Five years. Now, look, $2 million, that's not a ton on the, on the salary cap, but still, to go from JaVale McGee to Markeith Morris, the Mavs are sending a very strong message here that they believe the gap between JaVale and Markeith Morris is big enough to be worth having that dead money sitting on your books for five years now things obviously didn't work out with JaVale with Dallas as well so I'm sure part of it is both parties were looking to move on but still nonetheless I don't know if I like this landing spot for JaVale McGee there's a lot of centers already there in Sacramento and I don't know where the minutes are going to come from for him but can still be a good veteran mentor for the Lakers though bottom line this is another center off the market however I don't think this is cause for alarm. You know, a lot of Lakers fans, I saw the response on social media going, well, why didn't we sign him? I know, right? We look back at 2020, JaVale, Dwight, yeah, those are the guys we want to play next to Anthony Davis. Just go back and do that all over again. Sign Dwight again. Sign JaVale again. And off we go. Again, I think the Mavs showed us there's some real red flags with JaVale's current ability. To play in the NBA. I hope I'm wrong. I hope he he revitalizes his career in Sacramento. I like JaVale a lot, but I don't know that that's the the clear answer at the center position for you, especially especially when what do we know about what the Lakers are looking for? They're looking for something that they don't already have. That's what they're looking for at the center position, and I'm talking about skill set. The Lakers, according to Rob Palenka, they are looking for somebody who can do things that they don't already have on the roster. A big man who can say stretch the floor, right? That's not JaVale. Occasionally he hit in a three. We had fun calling him JaVale Mc3, but it was very rare. He's not a stretch big. So the Lakers are looking for a skill set that they don't already have. They want to diversify that center position if they're going to add another big. And I know it's Slim Pickens out there right now. And I know it's frustrating waiting to find out what is Christian Wood going to do. Is this whole thing being held up by Damian Lillard and everything going on with him? Maybe going to Miami, maybe not. We'll see what happens with those negotiations between Portland and Miami. Um, the, a lot of it seems to be just hinging upon that, and Bismack Biyombo could be wrapped up in all that too as he's waiting to see how everything settles, and that's the other option that's out there on the market right now that I think most people would like to see with the Lakers, either Bismack, Bionbo, or Christian Wood. And I think you can make strong arguments for either one. But if the goal for the Lakers is to add a skill set that is not currently on the roster, JaVale McGee doesn't really check that box because Jackson Hayes does the things that JaVale McGee does. Now, I think JaVale would have been a great mentor for Jackson Hayes, but I don't know if the Lakers have that luxury unless JaVale was going to be the 15th roster spot. The Lakers, whoever they sign with this 14th roster spot, whatever big they get, there's a pretty good chance that player is going to have to play real minutes, right? Now, if everybody's healthy, maybe Jackson Hayes and Anthony Davis, they just take the lion's share of the minutes at the center position and off you go. That's it. The third big doesn't see the floor. But let's face it, Anthony Davis has not been the picture of perfect health. He's going to miss games. So whoever you sign for this spot, has to be somebody that you're comfortable with playing minutes in the regular season because it's going to happen. There's going to be games where you're going to need this player to play. It might not be an every night type of thing, but you're going to need somebody who can play and play some serious minutes on nights when Anthony Davis is out. So I don't blame the Lakers for continuing to wait, particularly if Christian Wood is indeed the top of the list. Bismack MacBiombo would also be an interesting one, though a little bit of skill set duplication there, though he is, a rim protector that is, I think, of a different quality than what you can see out of Jackson Hayes. But nonetheless, the wait continues. The wait continues, and the clock, it's ticking because we're getting closer and closer to training camp starting up. We are now into September, Green Day's least favorite month. It's here. We're into September. LeBron's mini camp, that's coming up in just a few weeks. That means that the Lakers, they've got to make a decision, and at some point, you got to wonder, do they tell Christian Wood, hey, we need an answer, a firm answer one way or another, or we got to move on because the Lakers have to start putting their roster together and finalizing things before their own training camp. I assume they would like to do it before LeBron's minicamp, but before their own training camp towards the end of the month, you got to get these guys all set and situated. But nonetheless, JaVale McGee, no longer an option for the Lakers on the market another story that uh popped up talked about this a little bit already on the youtube channel but the lakers keeping an eye on trey young now clutch sports client how big of a factor is that still trey young very talented player no question there with the atlanta hawks not a favorite of a lot of fans around the nba sean davis perhaps <laughs> excluded but a lot of fans not thrilled with the way Trey Young approaches the game of basketball with the foul drawing and all that kind of stuff but a lot of that has been curtailed from a few years ago when he was at the forefront of this the NBA changed some of their rules specifically to address well Trey Young and James Harden who would you know made an art form out of tricking officials or you know hooking arms and flailing themselves and all, all sorts of nonsense it's ridiculous and I'm glad that the NBA decided to do what they what they did in order to try to get rid of this. Uh, Nobody wants to see Trey Young jump backwards into people to get whistles and things like that. Um, But nonetheless, whether you appreciate his ability to get to the free throw line or not, incredibly talented player. No question there. Um, Talent-wise, he's amazing. Did not make it onto Team USA, despite apparently wanting to go, but that, I think, has more to do with his defense than anything else. It's an interesting name, Right. This is all coming from Yovan Buha's piece with the Athletic that mentioned, which mentioned almost as an aside in an article on Austin Reeves, that the Lakers have continued to keep tabs on Trey Young and you know what a potential trade uh, situation could look like if the Hawks are, aren't successful in their endeavors to kind of hit that next level in the Eastern Conference, and I think Trey Young could be a name to remember when we start considering whenever LeBron sails off in the sunset, whether it's next summer, whether it's two years from now, whether it's five years from now, whatever it is, Trey Young is a name to consider, right? He is a superstar caliber player. He's an extremely talented scorer. And on the surface, Trey Young's offensive abilities, they mesh pretty well with Anthony Davis because Trey Young can score the ball. Anthony Davis, such a good defensive player. Their strengths and weaknesses kind of align in that way. A.D., can clean up some of Trey Young's defensive concerns. Meanwhile, Trey Young's ability to manufacture points helps out with an Anthony Davis who sometimes can go through cold spells, and we've certainly seen that on the offensive end we saw it this past season. So on the surface, it makes some sense to go target Trey Young, but take a look at the contract here. YouTube viewers are going to be able to see what I'm talking about. This is uh, his contract as laid out by uh, Track, which... I know it's accurate because Keith Smith puts all these together, Uh, but 40 million this coming season, 43 million the season after that, 46 million the season after that, and then almost 49 million the following season, 2026, 2027. And he's got the ability to get out of the deal at that point as well. He holds the power with an early termination option, not a bad contract for a player of his caliber In in order to trade for it. Well, you'd have to stack up some contracts if you're the Lakers, we're talking about maybe are we talking about a D'Angelo Russell whose contract and, and I like D'Lo. Let me preface this. By no means do I want to see D'Lo get shipped out. I would love to see D'Angelo Russell work out great with the Lakers this year and them stay together for a long, long time and, you know, sail off into the sunset because D'Angelo Russell, you know, there, there's an element with him where he's our guy. The Lakers drafted him. Yeah, he went away for a few years but he's back and you'd love to see him find success with the Lakers. But the fact of the matter is the Lakers negotiated out is no trade clause so that no longer exists. And so that that could be something really interesting to keep an eye on when we look at the trade front. So could you stack up D'Angelo Russell and Rui Hachimura and throw in another contract here or there? You know, is it Game Vincent or something like that? And off you go. Maybe not. Of course, the Hawks are going to want a lot more than just that. And there's no question, but still the Lakers are going to keep tabs on Trey young and see if maybe there's an opportunity for them to make him be one of their two stars to build around in a post LeBron world. Yovan's piece though, mentioned Austin Reeves and has he kind of taken that role? We saw it against Memphis in game one. Uh, it, they, they, put the ball in the hands of Austin Reeves to close out the game. And that was fantastic to see. If that's really what they're looking for, it's a ball-handling guard who can set other players up, who can shoot well from the perimeter. It's possible that they found that in Austin. Now, I again, I talked about this on the YouTube channel a bit already, and a lot of people in comments were thinking that I was equating Austin Reeves with Trey Young as though I have them on the same level, as the same tier of player. Maybe Austin gets there. But I think if you asked fans around the NBA, Trey Young is on a different level right now. But that's not the point. The point isn't, well, the Lakers have found Austin Reeves, so they no longer need Trey Young. No, I think Austin and Trey Young could play together. No question. They could do that. The, The point is that Austin maybe checks the box of a facilitator, a ball handler, a guy who can take some of the pressure off of LeBron, some of the playmaking burden off of LeBron, even if you're looking at a not necessarily post-LeBron world, but while LeBron is still with the Lakers, there's been a concerted effort for years now to try to find a playmaker that can take the ball out of LeBron's hands, take the burden out of LeBron's hands off of his shoulders so that he can be a little bit more rested and perhaps... Uh, have a little bit more energy come the postseason. He can play off ball. Maybe that's a little bit easier on him. If Austin is checking that box, not saying Austin is as good as Trey Young, but if Austin is checking that box, does it make more sense to spend your resources elsewhere rather than in another ball handling high volume guard? And let's face it, it hasn't gone well for the Lakers when they've gone after other guards, right? I mean, obviously, Russell Westbrook, this is one of the most disastrous trades in NBA history. Yikes, that that did not work out at all. Even the Dennis Schroeder edition the first time they brought him in, the goal was to take some of the burden off of LeBron. I actually think that team was really good. I think they probably could have won the championship that year if not for Anthony Davis's injury in round one against Phoenix. I think that changed the outcome of the series, maybe changed the outcome of the team that goes to the Western Conference Finals maybe change the outcome of the actual championship. But nonetheless, hasn't worked out quite the way the Lakers have hoped yet with this goal of taking some of the playmaking burden off LeBron. Can Austin do that? And if so, does that take away some of the incentive to go surrender? Let's face it, the Lakers would have to give up everything to even get in the discussion to get Trey Young. So it's something to keep an eye on. It's a name we've heard linked to the Lakers for a while now. This is not new. We've heard Trey Young linked to the Lakers for a while that he's been a guy they've had their eye on and I don't think it's something that's going to necessarily go away anytime soon but purely from a roster building standpoint if Austin is providing some of what you would be hoping to get out of Trey Young might it make more sense to if you're going to allocate resources towards another star level player and again You don't always have the option here. Stars only show up, you know, every once in a while. It's not like stars are just sitting around waiting for the Lakers to come along and scoop them up. But if you have the option, you may be better off looking at a different position or a different role because Austin may be the guy to fill this role here long-term for the Lakers. Nonetheless, though, something we should keep an eye out for. The Lakers, the link to Trey Young, we've heard enough of it that it makes sense to pay attention to it moving forward. Speaking of things we should pay attention to, though, it's the Lakers' future. And, you know, I've been seeing this sentiment from Lakers haters, non-Lakers fans that are out there. And let's face it, the Lakers are a polarizing organization. So there's a lot of fans, Lakers nation, we are mighty. There's also a lot of haters. But the sentiment is out there that the Lakers are simply doomed if and when LeBron James walks away. That the Lakers are going to go back into the dark ages. That we're going to go back into what we saw in, say, 2015. When the team wasn't winning much and they're trying to rebuild and it's not working out great and they're not making the playoffs year after year after year. It's not fun. But I've got a lot more optimism than that. I've got a lot more optimism than that, than that, and I think this Lakers team actually has a very bright future. And I say that even with the team's talisman, LeBron James, turning 39 in December. he's a player option next year. We could be entering right now. It's possible that we right now are
0: entering the final year of LeBron James with the Lakers. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all.
1: There's going to be ramifications if he does walk away this summer. It's not going to be easy to replace him. But I look at what the Lakers have done. I look at this roster build that they've got. And it's given me reason to be optimistic about what this team can be moving forward. About what this team can be into the future. You can see here, if you're a YouTube viewer, you can see the spot track salary cap sheet. For the Lakers moving forward. And we can see Anthony Davis can see his contract heading into the future. The Lakers now have him locked up, right? He's got this extension now. And that's going to put him potentially with the Lakers through the 2027, 2028 season. Most likely, given that he's now 30, Anthony Davis is spending, if not the remainder of his career with the Lakers the remainder of his prime with the Lakers. He has committed his best remaining basketball years to L.A. That gives the Lakers a leg up should they ever need to venture into a post-LeBron world. Again, who knows? Maybe LeBron plays for five more years. No idea. But he does have a player option, and he could walk away this summer. But it's not like the Lakers are just ruined at that point. You look at what they've got. It's not a bad base to build off of. Now, D'Angelo Russell, right? 27 years old. Rui Hachimura, 25 years old. Austin Reeves, 25 years old. Gabe Vincent, 27 years old. Jared Vanderbilt, 24 years old. And he is extension eligible. By the way, September 7th, we're getting closer. That's the day Jared Vanderbilt will be able to sign an extension with the Lakers. I don't know if it's going to get done, but that's the day that it's possible and when we really need to start paying attention to that news uh, Jalen Cafino, he's 20 and you've got him on a cost control contract for four years. Then you look, right? You've got guys who are on veteran minimum, Jackson Hayes, Cam Reddish. If One of them hits. Okay, great. But you're in a tricky spot. They have player options for next year. Veteran minimums might be hard to keep them around. But Max Christie, 20 years old, tore it up at summer league. Looked great. Restricted free agent next summer. Lakers can keep him too. So the point of this, and Max Lewis, by the way, the Lakers have him under team control for four years, just like Jalen Hoods cafino 21 years old. The point is that when you look at this Lakers team, fans of other teams look at the Lakers through the lens of they're old. But they're not. They're not at all. They're old if you're looking at LeBron and AD. Those are the two, and I get it. Most, when most people think of the Lakers. They think of LeBron and AD, and rightfully so. These are your stars. These are the guys that are going to lead you to a championship. But the Lakers, I think, have done a hell of a job of landing a bunch of other guys that are in their prime. We're talking about guys that are in their mid-20s and a few guys who are even lower than that. Again, Christie is 20. Max Lewis is 21. JHS is 20. Now that may not mean a lot in an NBA where superstars rule. You only go as far as your superstars take you. Is Max Christie going to be a superstar? Probably not. That's not the trajectory we would predict, predict him to be on. Is JHS going to be a superstar? I don't know. He's, who knows but probably not typically a 17th pick in the draft doesn't become a superstar same thing with Max Lewis but the Lakers have a lot of flexibility with having so many guys that are at this stage of their career for one thing as what I love is that as LeBron gets older as AD gets older you've got your core role players as they as it were are in their 20s are getting better Getting better, like I would expect that we see at 25 a better version of Rui Hachimura than the guy we saw even just last year. I think that's reasonable. At 27, does Gabe Vincent's game continue to improve? Now, it may not be typically when we see players age when they're 20, 21, 22, 23, right? Their improvement—it's like a, a very vertical line, right, going going up very quickly because they're learning so much new stuff as they get into their twenties, you get later in your twenties, that starts to taper off and it starts to plateau, especially as physically, once you get into your thirties, your, your athletic abilities start to wane a little bit. So obviously that ascent is going to taper off at some point. And Gabe Vincent is closer to that point, but still he can continue to grow and develop. Jared Vanderbilt is 24 years old. Imagine if he adds to his offensive game, what that means for him, they've got a lot of players who are on the upswing in their careers. And that, I think, has to give you a lot of confidence, not just this coming season for the Lakers, but also moving forward when you get into a post-LeBron world. And that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm expecting Rui Hachimura to somehow become a star. But What I am expecting is these players, and who knows what Austin's ceiling is, Austin Reeves, but these players that the Lakers have acquired, they should It should be a solid bet that at the very least, they retain value. They retain value. And again, I'm not suggesting that the Lakers should be in a hurry to trade these guys away. I think they've done a tremendous job building this team. I'm really excited to see this group on the floor. But whenever this time comes, whenever they have to cross the bridge of LeBron is walking away, we need another star to pair with Anthony Davis. They have a roster stocked with players who should still be very valuable to potentially offer up in a trade or to be enticing enough as role players that maybe you do get a star player to join in free agency. Now, that's a little bit tricky because with salaries on the books, will you really have money to go spend? Gets a little bit problematic. But the bottom line is that the Lakers have players who teams are going to be envious of. This is not an old team. This is not an old team aside from LeBron and AD. They've got a team full of guys that are in their 20s, that are on their upswing, that are getting better, that are improving, that are growing into their NBA careers still. And that's exciting for what this team can be moving forward. Moreover, when we look at the draft pick situation, I've seen this. I've seen people, again, mostly fans of other teams, saying, well, the Lakers have no draft picks. What are they going to use to improve their team? They have no draft picks. And eh, wrong. Just flat wrong. The Lakers, in terms of their obligations, let's just talk first-rounders. What do they owe? They owe one first-round pick to the Pelicans from the Anthony Davis trade. That's it. One more first. And again, that trade, woof. That worked out. They won a championship. Now, Anthony Davis is probably going to spend the remainder of his prime in purple and gold. That worked out for them. They owe either their 2024 or 2025 first-round pick to the Pelicans. And the Pelicans will get to decide which year they take. Um, That decision will probably be made closer to this year's, this next summer's draft. But that pick and their 2027 first, they owe to the Utah Jazz from the Russell Westbrook trade, which featured D'Angelo Russell, Jared Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley coming back. Now, obviously, Malik Beasley didn't work out. Jared Vanderbilt, maybe the Lakers signed an extension with him in just a few days. He could wind up being a long-term piece, a long-term Laker providing value for years to come. And then D'Angelo Russell. You know, the contract the Lakers gave him this summer doesn't say the same thing that Rui Hachimura's contract says doesn't say the same thing that Austin Reeves' contract says. Rui's contract and Austin's contract says, you're our guys. We want you long-term. Rui got three years. Austin's got four years. He's got a player option on the fourth year. We'll see what happens with Vando. D'Lo got two years. The second year is a player option. And and the Lakers negotiated out his no-trade clause. It's a big difference. Doesn't exactly scream, you're our guy. But nonetheless, it's a two-year deal, and dilo's 27. And I like his fit, at least on the offensive end, next to Austin Reeves in the back, backcourt. I think that actually works out pretty well. So, dilo at 27 could be a long-term piece for you as well. Who knows? Maybe he Maybe he has a great season. He opts out next summer. The Lakers sign him to a three-year deal or something like that. We'll see. But the bottom line is the Lakers have all these pieces, two of which they acquired via trade. If you look at what they did last year, post-trade deadline, the run that they made, was that worth a first round pick, which is what they had to give up in order to get these pieces? Hell yeah, it was that by itself was worth a first round pick. And now you get the benefit potentially of Jared Vanderbilt long-term potentially of D'Angelo Russell long-term, maybe use D'Lo as a trade chip or something like that. We'll see. What happens with D'Lo? But not only do you get this incredible run because you gave up that 2027 first, but you also have pieces that can be part of your long-term future now. So I tend to look at it this way. Was it worth it? Is it worth it? Would you rather have the first back or would you rather have made the move? I think in both cases. For the Anthony Davis trade, of course. We know you won a championship. Of course. Of course, you'd rather have AD than that pick. And then you look at the first that goes to the Utah Jazz. Would you rather have D'Angelo Russell and Jared Vanderbilt in addition to that great run that we had post-trade deadline last year? Absolutely. I would gladly give up a first to have those pieces and that great run. So I don't look at the Lakers moving forward and say, oh, well, they're just devoid of assets. No, they, I would rather have Jared Vanderbilt and D'Angelo Russell than a first-round pick and that's what they've got. So while they may not have a couple of first round draft picks and they're short a, a second rounder here or there but they picked up some seconds as well so it kind of evens out but they may be short on some draft capital and it's not as much as people make it out to be people assume they just have no picks forever no they've got a pretty decent this is not the Phoenix Suns they have a lot of draft pick they have all their picks aside from the two that I mentioned And they've got players that are worth more than the picks that they had to surrender. They have flexibility. They have flexibility, and that is really the current iteration of the NBA that we're in. Cap space isn't quite as valuable as it used to be because guys are not signing into cap space, not superstars anyway, not as much. Instead, they're getting traded places. So you've got to have players like this that are on tradable deals that are going to provide production that are in their twenties that have that kind of value around the NBA and the Lakers have these guys. Finally, one of the reasons why I'm optimistic about the Lakers future. Look at how the Lakers front office is viewed now compared to a year ago. A year ago, we were talking about how this Lakers front office, what a terrible mistake they made with the Russell Westbrook trade. And now they've assembled a roster that makes no sense They've assembled a roster that's too many guards. We're asking six foot one on his tiptoes, Patrick Beverly, to defend wings. You're asking Russell Westbrook to maybe come off the bench. $47 million coming off your bench. It was a mess. It was a mess. But now, with the moves they made at the trade deadline, those have gone a long way towards restoring confidence in this Lakers organization. And then you look at what they've done this summer. I don't think anybody saw the Gabe Vincent signing coming. I think that was a really nice deal. Torian Prince, getting him for $4.5 million. I thought he was a bargain on the $7 million and change deal the Wolves had him on. I was shocked that the Wolves decided to let him go. $4.5 million for a guy who shoots better than 44% from three for three seasons in a row and can defend multiple positions. It's a bargain. That's a bargain. You look at the moves they've made. And I think the front office has done a lot, a lot to recreate, to regenerate the trust that Lakers fans have in them. The belief, the the belief that they are going to execute a vision, that there's a plan. I look at this roster and I see a plan. Yes, it's missing a 14th player we need another big in there there needs to be another center added but that's coming we know it's we don't know who it's going to be but that's coming that's going to happen there's a plan in place here and so when we talk about the lakers future and fans of other teams will say oh just wait a couple of years this lakers franchise they're done for we're going to go back to 2015 all over again i don't think so I don't think so. The front office, I think, has done a lot to prove that they can fix things, that they can write the ship on uh, on the fly. The pieces that are on this roster provide plenty of future flexibility one way or another, whether they're there to build around or they're there to use as trade chips. And their draft capital situation is not nearly as dire as Lakers haters would like it to be. So for all of those reasons, when I look at this Lakers team, I see a team, and this is a wonderful place to be in, I see a team that can contend for a championship this year. I think the pieces are in place to do it. I think the West is going to be an absolutely brutal gauntlet, and by no means am I saying the Lakers are going to be the last team standing. I think they can be in the mix. I think they can win it. But there's going to be a lot of teams in the mix and there's going to be good teams that don't even make the play in in the Western Conference. It's not going to be easy. They have a very difficult schedule. Schedule makers did them no favors this year. But nonetheless, I think they have the talent to do it. But I also think they've built a team right now that's put themselves in a good situation moving into the future as well. I think they've got something. While LeBron... His stay in L.A. may not be sustainable long-term. I do think the Lakers have put together the foundation of something that can be great for years to come here. And that, that is really exciting. Lakers Nation, I do appreciate all of you for joining me here on the holiday weekend. Hope you guys make the most of it. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Again, do me a favor, subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel, hit that like button on this video as well. And then over on the podcast side, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is, give us that five star rating and review. Thank you again, everybody. Till next time, see ya and stay safe.